this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Good morning, church. It's a joy to be here with you. Today we are closing out this five-Sunday look at the letter to Ephesians in the New Testament. For much of the beginning of Ephesians, there is a focus on strength and endurance and a plea for unity over and over again. He reminds them that Christ has made them one. And they are to be one body of Christ. But today, in the later half of Ephesians, it switches to more personal pleas. And I'm telling you today, I don't care who you are, you cannot hear what I'm about to read to you without feeling like somebody's stepping on your toes a bit. So get ready. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read on into verse uh, chapter 5, verse 2. And I invite you to read along with me. It says, so then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. I warned you. Where do we begin? Now, I had planned today to end at the very end of chapter 4, but as I was reading and studying, I decided to keep on reading into the fifth chapter just a bit because I felt like it summed up so much of what he had been offering in chapter 4. Be imitators of God, beloved children, live in love as Christ loved you. Live in love. I remember reading a book by a Quaker pastor, Philip Gulley, who wrote a book called If the Church Were Christian, Rediscovering the Values of Jesus. And the minister's whole entire premise being that sometimes, ironically so, that the church as an institution doesn't always look or sound a whole lot like Jesus. He said he wrote the book in the hopes that for a church that is a little less full of itself and more full of love. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesians is a lot like that. He wants the church to realize that if we are to be one body of Christ, if we are to be united as one people, one family of God, then it's going to take some effort 
on all of our parts to do that. He says, put away all falsehood. Let us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then he mentions that thieves need to give up their stealing. And he says, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Put away from you bitterness, wrath, anger, wrangling, slander, together with all malice, and be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Live in love. Easy stuff, right? Not a one of us has trouble here with anger, bitterness. Not a one of us can hold a grudge against anybody, right? We spend all our time encouraging one another and building people up. No, we all, all of us struggle with these things. He knows us well. The writer Anne Lamont had this beautiful quote. She says uh, that she has confessed. She said, I have thought such awful thoughts that I cannot even say them out loud because they would make Jesus want to drink gin straight out of the cat dish. It's hard. Years ago, uh, a teacher in my church asked me to help her out with a field trip, and she was taking her fourth grade class to a place called Biztown, which was a, a place that was made like a mock town. And it was designed for students to come, and they would get jobs and have assignments and, and earn money, and they were supposed to learn some real-life practical skills. And she had organized all these volunteers to come work in this pretend town. And the local post office worker uh, worked in the local BizTown post office. The mayor worked with the BizTown mayor, student mayor. Um, the, uh, what else did we have? The mayor, TV station. There was a TV station and they had the local TV station owner working at the TV station. And do you know where they put me? The pet store. That's where I spent my day, and the whole time I kept wondering, who here is making a commentary on Christianity and the church by sticking the minister in the pet store? How many people do we all know in our own lives who don't bother with this faith and church stuff because they don't see the difference it makes in people's lives? They seem to them. Someone who never misses a Sunday to be just as bitter and angry and resentful and hate-filled or even worse than someone who never darkens the door of a church. It seems to them that they just don't see much Christ in Christians. And here is the wisdom from Ephesians. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger He's recognizing that anger has its purpose, its place. Anger helps us recognize that things are not as they should be, and injustice, that something needs to change. That's what anger can do, to stir us to action for change. But he also recognizes that anger has its limits. It has its purpose, but it has its limits too. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, deal with it. Don't pretend it away. Don't put a smile on your face. Don't fake it till you make it. Deal with the anger. Work towards healing. And we can hold a grudge, can't we? Sometimes when we don't face the anger, it can just grow bigger. The divide between us grows wider and gets stronger. When Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, he wants us not to wait. Today is always a good day to work on the road toward healing. Frederick Buechner has this beautiful quote about anger. He says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it's a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that the one you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. That same Quaker minister that I referenced earlier, Philip Gully, tells the story of playing football in the yard on Saturday afternoon with the neighborhood kids. Bobby was a kid who got picked on a lot in school. He seemed to always be mad at somebody recognizing some injustice that was happening to him. And he lived next door to the town dump and he lived with his grandmother. And it also, Bobby would always come and he would play football and he would always get mad at somebody every Saturday along the way. And that day he happened to come play football. He got tackled by Philip's older brother, Doug, and Bobby got mad as he did at the slight, at the injustice, and he punched his older brother. And all the kids were yelling at Doug to immediately hit him back. But Doug didn't do it. And Philip was confused by this. He knew for certain that his big brother, Doug, wasn't scared of Bobby. He's bigger than him. He could have handled him just fine. But he was wondering why his brother didn't give him a piece of his mind. And later on, he asked him about it. And that's when Doug said that he happened to know that Bobby lived with his grandmother because both his parents had died. And he said he just figured Bobby had been hit hard enough by life already. Philip writes that he was 11 years old, and he's never forgotten that moment. He said his brother had every reason to settle the score, would have been justified by hitting Bobby back, making him pay the price, but he didn't. He withheld. He restrained his anger. He opted for mercy. Philip writes it was the first time in his life that he became distinctly cautious, conscious of grace in his life. I don't know about you. But sometimes I have trouble making it through breakfast in the morning without bitterness and anger and wrath, let alone a whole day or a whole lifetime. So how do we do this? How do we manage this? How do we 
live in love, as Ephesians calls us to? How do we live more fully into the person God is calling us to be? To be people that offer forgiveness and mercy and compassion. And I was thinking about that week, this week. And what's that expression, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So I have two bites to offer you today. Two bites. The first is I'd like for you to think of someone in your life who has shown you what it means to live in love. What is it about this person? Have they loved you unconditionally? Are they quick to forgive you? Do they always seek to, to build you up, to build others up around them, to see the best in them? Are they compassionate, merciful? Who is that person in your life? Who has shown you what it means to live in love? If you can today, you should thank them. Let them know that they are an example in your life of what that means. But I hope no matter what, as you reflect on who that is in your life, that you just take a moment today to offer a prayer of gratitude for the gift it is to know them on your own journey of faith. Now the harder one, the more challenging one. I want you to think for a moment of someone who is hard to love. Maybe it's someone in your life that you have been holding on to bitterness and anger. Who is that person? Take a moment to think about someone you're finding really hard to love right now. And I want you to hold that person in your mind for a bit. And whenever you think of them, whenever you interact with them, talk to them, I invite you to try to see them the way God sees them. Broken, flawed, deeply loved, just as you. You know, when your coworker gives you a backhanded compliment, you can think, bless her heart, Lord, and really mean it. <laughs> Try to see them with eyes of grace and mercy. In other words, see them as Jesus does. Who is that in your life? Two people, one to give thanks for, and one who is helping us all to grow more fully into the person God is calling us to be. Be imitators of God, beloved children. Live in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Thanks be to God.